Coming from the Caveman Studios in Buffalo, New York. Welcome to Caveman Corner with your host, Jeff. Captain Caveman! Thanks. Click subscribe and the bell. Do it now! I'm here with the one, the only, Tom Kilkenny, the Gamma USA Regional Director. Um... We'll take a few minutes and we'll actually talk about what, what that means and, and what you do. Uh, I think most fans are not going to understand how New York works and how like the New York State Athletic Commission doesn't actually oversee the fights in New York State. And and a lot of that stuff is uh, right up in your alley of explaining. So I'm going to turn it right over to you there, sir. Sure. Uh, so did you want me to just jump straight on in and, and talk about like the, the whole, like uh, I guess, landscape of uh, combative sports in New York? Yeah, actually, I started in 95, so when I started fighting, there was nothing. It was nothing. And then there was uh, commissions all around, and it was illegal here, so there would be, like, condition, uh, commissions in Jersey and Ohio, but you go fight pro somewhere else and then go fight amateur somewhere, and, like, it was crazy. And then the commissions came in, and then uh, New York legalized it, and uh, we'll let you take over from there. Sure. So uh, New York is um... – you know, obviously, the New York State Athletic Commission is in charge of, of pretty much everything. Um, their job is uh, to oversee and conduct uh, the regulation of professional uh, MMA in New York. Uh, but they also are the hierarchy to help oversee, uh, you know, third-party sanctioning bodies that are uh, legally uh, licensed to regulate uh, pro and amateur Muay Thai, uh, K1 kickboxing, uh, submission only grappling, uh, and amateur MMA. Um, now there's a whole set of rules and regulations and guidelines that every, uh, third party, uh, athletic, uh, commission needs to follow, which is the sanctioning body. Uh, I happen to be the regional director for Gamma USA, which is the global association of, uh, mixed martial arts. Um, I think in New York, there is one, uh, two, I think there's three sanctioning bodies. When we first started, there was as many as six sanctioning bodies. But uh, as things started to move along and rules and regulations started to get tighter, uh, typically the only ones that were really uh, doing things, um, I guess, so to speak, the, um, the spot on uh, level of the way the New York State Athletic Commission wanted things to run. Uh, you slowly but surely saw some of the uh, weaker links now uh, move on and, and uh, either uh, you know dis dismember and, and, and leave, uh, or they just simply went out of business. Um, so I think the three that are in New York right now, of course, Gamma United States, USA, uh, the ISKA, and the United States Muay Thai Association. Those are uh, those are the three that we we fought on. Or I don't think there's another one. Maybe there is. Who knows? Well, they used to, they used to be the WKA used to be in New York. Yeah. They're no longer in New York. Um, and then that's you had used, right? What was that? that? Who, that's who lace up used to use like back in the day, yes. right? Yes. Um, <laughs> and then um, you had AKBF uh, that was also here. Um, and I'm trying to. And then you know what? There was another new way. New Way was another one uh, that was predominantly there in central New York. Yeah. That's who um, the Bomb Squad guys used that a couple of times, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I'm learning a little history lesson, too. Like, I, I'm kind of in the game and kind of not really. I was with Don Lilly when they were, like, trying to set it up originally. So, like, I know some of the story and I know the legal battles. But it's always cool to hear from, like, commissioners and the people that are actually doing it. Um, Don's, a, Don's a great guy. Yeah, he's with the New York State Athletic Commission now, too. Do you think there's ever going to be a time where uh, New York State's going to push you guys out and take over? New York State seems to like to uh, collect all that money. Uh, so, you know, here's the thing. It's it's so much. Like right now, I think the New York State Athletic Commission, they even have such a difficult time getting enough uh, what we would call inspectors uh, to show up to events. Now, uh, because Don Lilly lives right there in the Buffalo area, uh, it's perfect for him to be there for a K-4 fighting. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul O'Brien is in there in central New York, so they try to get Paul O'Brien out to 
uh, some of those, uh, you know, uh, events in uh, middle New York. We had Paul O'Brien when I, I do uh, the Art of Combat um, in uh, Elmira or uh, Binghamton. Um, and then uh, the, the capital region, they used to have a, a gentleman, Anthony, there, but uh, Anthony is no longer uh, employed by the New York State Athletic Commission. And then, of course, I believe it or not, in, in New York and Long Island, there's uh, there's actually only two inspectors. There's Steve Rogan and uh, there's a, a guy, I believe his name is George. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I would find it very difficult for them to be able to, not unless they recruited all the third party sanctioning bodies, you know, yeah. licensed officials to come on board with the New York State Athletic Commission to work with them. Uh, I don't think that they have, uh, with the amount of shows that go on in New York, I, I just don't think that uh, they right now they have the manpower to do something like that. Right. And then for for the fans, I know that uh, the uh, like a promotion gets to pick what commission they use. But like, how does that go around? How do you like get hooked up with promotions and how does all that work? So, you know, it's uh, I've never solicited any promotion, uh, any of the promotions that I, I work with, you could actually ask them, did you reach out to uh, Kilkenny or Gamma USA or did they reach out to you? I, I very rarely um, reach out to any promotion. Uh, promotions are always welcome to reach out to me, you know, even if they're thinking about, you know, changing up uh, the sanctioning body that they're using. Um, you know, I honestly feel very blessed uh, with the uh, promotions that I do work with because a lot of the promotions we do everything by the book. Um, you know, we try to keep things Some as people don't like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of merit to that statement, and therefore, <laughs> that is why they make vanilla and chocolate. Some people have a choice, and I'm again, I'm just really happy with the promotions that I work with. They understand what combative sports is about. Uh, they understand the rules and regulations. Uh, they're not willing to bend the rules uh, to get make a quick buck. Um, and I thoroughly enjoy. I mean, we work uh, together on on one show uh, that I, we both watched from its infancy, and that's K4 Fighting up in Buffalo. And uh, Keith Ferrant is probably one of the most honest men that I know. He's a former pro fighter. Um you know, I remember doing show. We, I don't need to tell you, you know, the history here. <laughs> We've had 12 fights in a card in the beginning and it knocked down to seven fights. And it was simply because somebody forgot something. And Keith didn't even bat an eye. He was like, Hey, listen, they don't have the paperwork that's needed. It, it is what it is. Most promotions be like, Oh my God, please let it go. Oh my God, my event. And I know to this day, there are still a ton of promotions that actually run like that. Uh, Oh, Justin Manning just entered the building. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Raymond, <laughs> I, I want to hear some guardian stories. We'll get to that, right? We got to get through the, the business stuff first. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I know there still are a few promotions that, uh, you know, they heavily rely on, you know, some of the uh, gray areas. Uh, you know, the promotions that I work with, again, somebody like Keith Ferrant over in Buffalo, uh, it's a blessing. And now to see his shows when I, when I tell him, Keith, like, what does a card look like? Now he's like, Tom, we're at like 17, we're at 18 fights, or we're at 19 fights. And another thing I love about Keith's show is that nine and a half out of 10 times, there is never a mismatch. And if there is a mismatch, it's because they're debut fighters. Nobody knows yeah. what that fighter is going to look like. They could look like all-stars inside, <laughs> inside the gym and they get inside the cage and they're like, Dorothy? <laughs> We're not in Kansas anymore. Like, whoa. Yeah. It's easy to get lost in the lights that first fight, too, even if you're good. Like, you're like, oh, what's going on? Why are you like, oh, fight falling? Oh, geez. <laughs> I don't think I, I like this. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, again, you know, working with such organizations like, uh, you know, the Warriors Cup, which is uh, probably the United States' most premier Muay Thai uh, promotion. They put on pro-am shows all the time. They do the road to one and WBC titles and, uh, you know, AFL, uh, Amateur Fight League, which is an all Muay Thai show, which is sort of like a, um, you know, like an amateur, like uh, a novice up to that mid range before they go into the bigger promotions. And then, of course, 
Uh, you have RFC in the K-Series, which we're doing this Friday, which has 20 fights, pro-am fights. Uh, and then when I venture up into Barry Vermont, uh, Barry, Vermont's <laughs> an animal. Barry Vermont's an animal all to itself. Uh, Rex is uh, really starting to put some things together up there, which is really nice. And, uh, you know, they're actually approved to do uh, some of the small glove Muay Thai, which is uh, become like the new craze. And I, I can see why. Uh, one championship is absolutely revolutionizing, uh, you know, the combative sports world. Um, and then, uh, of course, we move into Art of Combat with Eric Gillette, who Eric always has people uh, on Keith's show as well. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Keith Ferrant and uh, Peach is over there at uh, K4 Fighting. Uh, what a team. And uh, again, I, I really to watch where Keith is started and where he is today is uh is is really it's it's exciting it is he's a, he's done such a good job with the organization and uh i know he reached out to gamma because of uh you know you have a good good standing in the muay thai community and so does keith so he reached out to you guys for sure um and like you're one of the best promotions for muay thai for sure and then it looks like it's pretty good for mma except for my guy no i'm just kidding <laughs> with the gloves the whole glove thing with Derek, i was just teasing but you know what? And those are those are all lessons that are uh, are learned. Um, and uh, you know, again, you know, being in a regulation uh, game, you know, we get an opportunity. Like here, I'll give you a, for instance. This this weekend alone, um, I have twenty fights at K Series Friday night down in New York City, uh, pro am show, um, and then I'm going to wind up going up to Barry Vermont for another twelve fights. It's going to be 32 fights in a weekend. Um, yeah. You know, is everybody perfect? No. You know, are referees perfect? I'm going to honestly say uh, Jean-Paul Zuniga, who is one of my lead officials. He's actually my right-hand man. He's my New York rep. Um, you know, I have Chris Romulo. I have Brandon Medina. I have Marcel Varela. And, of course, I have the founder of Gamma USA, Justin Brown, who's one of the lead regulators for one championship. Um, everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes referees are at a position. Uh, does it mean that they're bad referees? No. Listen, you know what? If you have a 95% rate, I'll roll with that all day, every day. JP and Brandon Medina are some of the best reps in the business that I've seen. Uh, I've been to a lot of local shows, a lot of pro shows, and they're both really on top of their stuff. Medina, especially. He's like, you know, whose mouthpiece is whose when they both come out, like everything. Like, <laughs> he knows all the details, dude. He's the king of the mouthpieces. I'm so impressed by the refereeing. Um, the, I just want to say two quick things. I want to run back to the, the blood test. So not these guys have their blood tested. They have the blood tested. Um, so they change, New York State changed it. They need the surface B antigen instead of, the surf, uh, instead of just the, the hep, B in, uh, hep B test. And uh, that's what was wrong. And a lot of commissions probably would push that by. But you guys stri are strict to the law, and, and you stood up, and we lost those fights. And not only – not only did they know they needed it, like it was over and over again in the, in the, in the text and stuff that was going through, like you guys clearly stated that. And uh, that's really on the fighters. It's really not on you guys. So I just yeah. wanted to say that again. <laughs> you know, and I'll explain the difference between the hepatitis B antibody and the hepatitis B surface antigen. Um, there still are a lot of state athletic commissions where the hepatitis B antibody is fine. Uh, New York had to take a very strong stand, uh, you know, their medical team. Um, and, you know, an antibody, um, you could be a carrier. And for a lot of people that maybe enter into civil service, maybe as a police officer or a correction officer, you actually have to go take those, uh, those shots, hepatitis A, hepatitis B. So you can get a false negative off of an antibody. The surface antigen tells you, plain and simple, do you or don't you have hepatitis B? Not can you be a carrier or are you immune to it? Do you or don't you have it? And that's the most important because if somebody catches hepatitis B, it's a game changer for, for, for somebody. Yeah, that's great that you guys are safe. And then the, the Derek thing, we talked about it uh, in, in nauseam in, in real life. Uh, Derek didn't have his rap signed. He didn't get his rap signed in the back. And uh, he won his fight uh, on the judge's scorecard and then was disqualified. So if you guys don't know the story, that's what I was teasing Tom about. But uh, 
Man, Tom heard it from me for like days. We talked for hours and hours and hours and hours, and uh, we we both were okay with the situation in the end. But uh, like Derek's like a close friend to me, so uh, uh, Tom like understood. I was a little bit uh, more hostile than I probably should have been, but uh, I appreciate yeah. Tom's patience. And uh, uh, you know what, coaches are going to be emotional. Um, I, I expect that. Um, Derek actually has a, a killer fight coming up on the twenty yeah. seventh. Oh yeah. Um, Matt Valencia, I've overseen a lot of Matt Valencia's fights in New York City. Um, that that's going to be a bond burner. That's going to be that's going to be a really really good fight. It's good because Derek's like a ghost too. I can't wait to see how they match up, man. I'm excited to see that one too. Uh, it's it's going to be really good. It'll, there'll be some skill showing in that fight too. I'm glad it's kickboxing too and not Thai. <laughs> yeah, it's a you know it's it's the exciting thing also is that in the very beginning a lot of uh, the show, a lot of the matchups on K4 were a lot of like novice fights and newer fighters. And, you know, slowly but surely over the course of the last year, Keith has gotten some really nice high level fighters on his card. So, uh, you know, when you come and you see a fight card of 16 fights, you might get three or four fights that, you know, they're, they're novice fights. And you're like, OK, they're fights. And then you get some fights that you, you take a look at and you're like, wow. All right, this is this is worse. This is without a doubt worth, you know, the the admission at the door for sure. Yeah. There's been a lot of those fights in K four. That Doyle uh, Gino fight oh. was amazing. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, you know, Janeo actually he wants that. Ever since Jan I honestly think that Ali needed that loss because I will tell you, since Ali took that loss, and uh, look. Muay Thai in the metropolitan New York area is a lot different than Muay Thai everywhere else. And since that loss, Ali has been on a tear in New York City. And he said, and he said, you know, I, I, I want I want back at Sean Doyle. And I said, do you want him to come into New York City? He said, no, I am coming up to Buffalo and I want that fight. But uh, Ali, most uh, traditional Muay Thai coaches usually don't let their fighters go pro unless they have 20 fights underneath their belt. Uh, so I know Sean Doyle is, is, is going pro. He actually has his pro debut this uh, 27th on the K4 fight card. Uh, and Ali's just, he's not, he's not going to go pro. I, I, I know that, you know, Chris, his, uh, you know, from church street, Muay yeah. Thai is, is not, is not going to let him go pro. Not, not any. been a back elbow was like pretty, pretty money. Uh, not too long ago that he just hit Ali. Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, no, there's there's been some really, really good fights there. I saw ask Tom if he likes Caldor products. Look at Benny Field. You know, I'm going to tell you about I'm tell you about Caldor. So and we'll talk about Ben Field for a moment here. Uh, there's a there's a particular gentleman that I'm very fond of uh, who always wore like these pastel color like shirts with the tie that matches. And I don't know if you ever remember back way back when, when I was young, and now I'm going to date myself. Uh, <laughs> you got a little gray, so do I. Uh, it was called TSS stores, Times Square stores. And then it evolved into Caldor. I don't know if you remember Caldor. No. Caldor was like the original Kmart. <laughs> and they used to sell the shirt and tie in a box. <laughs> and you would go by the box and you already had the shirt and tie it already matched. You didn't need to have your wife take a look at your girlfriend like, yeah, that matches. <laughs> and I always said this individual looks like they buy a shirt and tie in a box from Caldor. So this one particular individual, I called him Caldor. I won't say their name. And then slowly <laughs> surely I saw Benfield and Benfield would wear the the plum shirt with the plum tie <laughs> or the, the, like the lime green shirt. And I'm like, bro, do you buy your stuff for like shirt in a box? Uh, and that, that's been a running joke with Ben Field for a while. Ben is a, he, he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a great guy. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad of course, over the last, uh, the last year and a half, I've gotten an opportunity just to get to know him that much more. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty fun in the in the booth. We've been hanging out a lot more now too. We've been doing some shows together. Uh, he doesn't remember wearing lime green though. Well, whatever kind of green you want to call it, you want to call it puke green, call it puke green. I don't know. <laughs> Poor Ben. Ben was probably so high he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got to say one other thing. I apologize for posting the thing about one going out of business. I uh, I posted one clickbait link that I didn't even really read the whole thing. I was in the airport uh, coming back from uh, South Carolina, and <laughs> you were all over me for days and days and days. I was like, man, I'm sorry. I, I didn't read the article so good. I just read the, the highlight. So uh, one is not going out of business. I apologize for posting that. No, I mean, listen, right here in the States alone, uh, they they book four dates. They're looking for five dates. Um, I, you you don't you don't do overseas shows if you're going out of business. Yeah, no. I don't know if anybody has ever seen the likes of a Singapore show at Singapore Stadium. You know, Joe Rogan has it on his podcast all the time when he has Eddie Bravo or Frankie Edgar or anybody on there. They just absolutely say, like, have you ever been? to a one championship in Singapore. And they're like, it dwarfs the production of any UFC event. Like, it's just, it's insane. Um, and the one thing I could say about, you know, one championship is that uh, you know, product is very important. Production is very important to them. Um, it's not about how much money you're making. Uh, it's about the sport. It's about humility, integrity, and, and honesty, and sportsmanship. And uh, I think that's why, um, you know, Gamma has that uh, relationship and that partnership with one championship uh, because the visions and values align with one another. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad that Justin Brown uh, has brought that to the forefront. And Justin, who's the founder of Gamma USA, uh, happens to be uh, one of the lead regulators uh, for one championship along with uh, Olivier Cost. So. I love their cards too, and they're on YouTube, so they're easy to watch. They're kind of during the day, which kind of does suck, but uh, you can catch. It's them. Singapore. What are you gonna do? Yeah, you can catch. Uh, I always have the fights going at work when they're on, and then I watch them later. But like, I always have them playing on my computer at work. I don't really get to watch them too much, like live. But it's pretty exciting that they 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 stream them almost right away live on YouTube. That's they do an awesome job of getting it out there, and the submission grappling is off the chain because they allow all the leg locks, not like you guys. Uh, hey, well, that's not us. It's the New York State Athletic Commission. Don't beat up. We listen. We can put in. You know, that, listen. Has Gamma USA put in for uh, small glove Muay Thai? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's already an approved piece of equipment. They're using those gloves for MMA fights. Well, what's the difference between striking somebody in MMA and striking them in Muay Thai? Honestly, most MMA fighters train in Muay Thai, and the strikes that they're using are Muay Thai strikes. Right. Uh, but, you know, there are still some that, uh, you know, they want to wait, especially New York. They want to wait to see some of the other states, uh, you know, utilize the small glove uh, for Muay Thai. And, uh, and then, or as Ben Field would say, uh, Muay Thai. Um, <laughs> I, I cringe. Uh, yeah, there it is. Small glove Muay Thai. I cringe. Every time I hear somebody say the word Muay Thai, I, I, I just turn around. I, I can't. Like any credibility or credence to Muay Thai, uh, I just, you lose it with me. Who uh, Muay Thai. Where the hell do you get Muay Thai from? The, the cannabis is strong with that one. So uh, that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, so now he says it on purpose, he said. So I, I want to get into New York City. I didn't know much about the Garden Angels at all until you started posting. Uh, can you tell me what that's about? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Guardian Angels, uh, God, the organization started way back in 1979 uh, by the founder, uh, who is Curtis Sliwa. Um, Way back in the day, um, back on Fordham Road in the Bronx at McDonald's, uh, Curtis was the uh, nighttime uh, manager, the overnight manager at McDonald's. And he had a whole bunch of guys that worked with him. And, you know, Curtis would make his way from Canarsie, Brooklyn, uh, on up to the Bronx. And the one thing that he always saw on the four line was, uh, especially in the uh, the late 70s, early 80s, was a crime wave like you can't imagine. And that was the South Bronx. And the South Bronx back then, the Bronx was burning. It was it was in rough shape. It was in real rough shape. So Curtis, in, in, in the beginning, started what was called the Rock Brigade. And it was really just going and cleaning up the streets. Um, you know, he was a very ambitious uh, young man. 
Uh, and then slowly but surely, he saw a lot of the muggings and everything else going on on the trains. And what he decided to do is he was going to, uh, you know, he was going to stand up and he was going to uh, put together a public safety patrol team. Um, and he, they were going to go out and some people would call them vigilantes. Uh, you know, that that name has since totally diminished um, because, you know, now once upon a time, the cops used to arrest us all the time. Uh, now cops look to take pictures with us all the time. Um, well, they're so, pretty handcuffed now. Like the cops are pretty handcuffed now, so you're probably doing the stuff that they really want to do. Sometimes, especially nowadays, people are getting up in police officers' faces and yelling and screaming at them. And, um, you know, sometimes I do find myself going and saying, hey, listen, you know, that person has a family to go home to. Uh, they're not here to be harassed. They're here to do a job. They're public safety officers. So let them do their job. And, you know, if you want to yell at somebody, yell at me. <laughs> Just saying. Um, you know, we're not uh, we're not about physical force. Uh, however, if we need to be that, we will be that, especially protecting uh, citizens that are out there. We are all unarmed. We get checked before we go out on patrol every single time. Um and, uh, you know, I can tell you uh, straight up on to 1993, I mean, we used to do we used to do crack raids. Uh, we used to kick open doors and, and do crack raids when crack was the big sensation. Um, you know, we helped uh, at the time, uh, Mayor Giuliani, when uh, he came into office, um, they used to call Times Square the deuce, pimps and hoes. That's where you would go for your peep shows and your live uh, and you had all your prostitutes there. And, uh, you know, we actually helped Rudy Giuliani turn what when it's still to this day, people say the terminology all the time where we turn the deuce into Disneyland. But, uh, you know, certain people have taken office office uh, over there over the course of the last 12 years and things slowly have gone back down. So a lot of us. Uh, that were way back there in the uh, the 80s and the 90s have now resurfaced back up to try to uh, you know to try to go out there and it's a non for profit nobody makes any money it's all volunteer work uh, and you know for many people Ray I know for a fact knows all about the Guardian Angels because he's from New York City uh, we're a pretty iconic figure in the New York City landscape especially Curtis Lee. What does a red outfit signify? I know you guys wear like the bright hat and the, the red like uh, blazer. What, what does the color red signify? Uh, you know, it was a, it was a color that Curtis selected so long ago. Uh, Ray misses the all time square. <laughs> you know, based upon a lot of uh, Ray's posts that I see uh, through throughout the day, I could see why the old time square was important <laughs> to Ray. Um, <laughs> You know, it, the, the color doesn't have a tremendous amount of significance other than the very start. The red beret was something that, uh, you know, Curtis wanted. It was a way to signify, you know, to completely identify uh, some of your members, uh, especially way back in the day. We use the beret. If we take the beret off and we wave the beret, that is a code red. That means that it doesn't matter what you're doing. Drop what you're doing and go to that that waving red beret. Uh, so there's some significance there. And then, of course, the crest of the, the Guardian Angels, uh, which is uh, really important. But uh, that's the uniform. It's been there since uh, 1979. And, uh, you know, just like your pagans and your Hell's Angels and everything else, those are those are colors. And uh, to take those colors off my back, you uh, you're going to have yourself a difficult time. Yeah, I, I can tell it's a very significant thing. A lot of the pictures that you posted, you're really proud of. You guys are all wearing it. So I know it's like a like a traditional garb, like like a like a, a, a gang for good, you know, like like the police, like the police are the blue gang, you know. Yep. And uh, like we they, do we do make citizens arrests all the time. Uh, there are takedowns that happen all the time. Um, you know, just last year, I probably me myself with my with my team. Uh, I'm the uh, the Bronx, New York City commander. Uh, but with my team alone, we probably had like seven or eight takedowns last year. Uh, and takedowns are something that are never to be something to be proud of. But um, uh, Ray saw Curtis back in 04 on the subways. Curtis is on the subways. Curtis is on the subways. Ray up. <laughs> uh, 
But, you know, it's takedowns are nothing to be, um, you know, proud of. However, if, you know, if there's a, a you know, a, a citizen that's being assaulted or something, uh, sometimes you need to take matters into your own hands and uh, you need to uh, subdue somebody. And uh, jujitsu plays a, a wonderful role in, in doing that because, uh, you know, Jeff, nobody knows more like you. You're a black belt in jujitsu. Um, you know, it's the ultimate equalizer to subdue somebody and hold them until the proper authorities come there to uh, to do what they need to do. The unfortunate thing in this day and age now, you can absolutely assault somebody. Uh, you can go uh, and get booked at at, uh, at headquarters, and within 25 minutes, you're back out on the street. Yeah, is that um, frustrating to you guys as much as the police? Yeah, absolutely. Is it hard? Is it hard not to take things into your uh, your own hands even more than before? Well, not necessarily. I mean, last year, uh, I don't know if anybody reads the papers or anything. There was one uh, one uh, EDP, emotionally disturbed person, that was actually taking their feces and was wiping it on uh, females' faces inside the subway station. And uh, you know, we uh, uh, you know we uh, you know we we took that person down and we took them in and. Uh, I mean, honestly, that's that's assault. I mean, that's yeah. worse than assault. I mean, you don't know what's inside the feces. Yeah. Uh, and 10 minutes later, that person was back out. And sure enough, feces again. And so I took it upon myself to uh, grab some of my, uh, you know, my team, uh, Popeye and Super. And we all have code names. I'm, I, I'm one of the only ones that actually goes by, like, my name. And people are like, yeah, don't you want to have, like, a street name so nobody knows your real name? Ah. Who cares? Come get me. <laughs> you know, I, you know if you're going to be frightened. Don't uh, don't put on a beret and, and don't go into, uh, you know, the four and a D line uh, of, of Bronx, New York. That's uh, probably a, a smart thing not to do then. But, uh, you know, I actually took the team and uh, somebody told us that he was sitting on the two line over near 231st Street. And uh, we made our way over there. We saw him sitting there and uh and he looked and he knew he was like, oh, God, they're back. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he said, what are you going to sit here all night? I said, I'm going to sit here as long as you're sitting here. I'm going to sit here as long that you do not touch another female that comes by here. And we actually uh, met. We, he was there at 1030 at night. We stayed there till about three o'clock in the morning, uh, making sure that nobody got assaulted. Uh, because uh, at the end of the day, you know, my my son even asks me like that, you know, you're in your fifties. Like, why are you still doing this? Like serious. And, um, my phrase to him is going to be the same phrase I'll have until the day I die. That could be your mother. It could be your sister. It could be your wife. And if I can be a visual deterrent for somebody that might do something, I'll do it. And if I get hurt, um, at least I know I've lived my life, uh, for a cause and for doing some things that are good. And I, I honestly, I feel wholeheartedly, my wife says it to me all the time, like, Tommy, what are you doing? Like, come on. And I just yeah. turn around and I say, this is, and she's like, I know this is, this is one of your purposes in life. So go do what you need to do. And that's it. Man, your wife must be an amazing lady. She has to, have to deal with a lot. She has to deal with all the fighting on the weekends. She's got to deal with this stuff. She's got to deal with your regular job, man. Like you're a, you're a pretty busy guy. Ray wants to know, uh, he wants to hear about the time the Guardian Angels took over the crack house and fight and uh, fighting the crackhead. I don't know if that's a story between the two of you or if that's a famous story or. Well, you know, especially in the Bronx, um, anybody that knows the Bronx and listen, I, I, the Bronx has grown so much and, you know, the Bronx is, is a shell of what it was back in the seventies and eighties and even early nineties. Now you go there and there's beautiful complexes and everything else. But, uh, Valentine road, uh, in, uh, the South Bronx over near the Kingsbridge area. Uh, I don't think that'll ever change. <laughs> it's, it's like a drug den, right? Whole entire block. And, uh, way back when, you know, we, uh, you know, look, we had a lot of guys, you know, let's, let's just call it for what it was back then. Uh, we had street gangs um, like the Zulu Nation, the Black Spades, and uh, everything else that were running the streets. Um, and a lot of those members actually uh, turned in their colors to become guardian angels. And, you know, one of the things that Curtis always asked was, you know, why? 
Like, why do you think, uh, why did you want to leave and become a guardian angel? And a lot of these people said, you know, one of the reasons why I became a black spade was because I felt like people would fear me and would not harass my family. And some of the other gangs that were rival gangs were robbing their, their mothers and their sisters. And so they said, you know what? We're not out trying to prevent those things from happening. We're actually out doing those things. And a lot of them became guardian angels because they wanted to protect people like their mother and their sister. And believe it or not, a lot of those people actually wound up becoming uh, police officers and correction officers and lawyers. And uh, it really is, uh, it's a wonderful story how you can turn somebody from a gang uh, into a public safety officer. I mean, it's very it makes a lot of sense because usually if you're in a gang, you're looking for like brotherhood and like safety. And yeah. like, that's the same thing as being a police. And if your your goal is to do good things and you're just trying to protect yourself, like it makes sense. That's a, seems like a pretty reasonable jump to me. And I mean, maybe not to everyone else, but like, I understand the feelings that come with it on both sides. So, so needless to say, Valentine, uh, Valentine uh, was the home of uh, crack raids. We knew uh, that if, uh, you know, Crack was killing people left and right. It was a it was a an epidemic that is was uh, <coughs> I mean it was just it was terrible. It really was. So again, we had our recruits back then. These guys were tough as nails. <laughs> uh, we would train three four times a week, um, you know, and uh, we did a lot of uh, you know back then. Uh, Goju was very very big. Uh, with people like Ron Van Cleef and, uh, you know, Richie Barathe and Rod Van Cleef. He's the, I don't know if you saw the last dragon, he's yeah. did all the choreography. And, um, but, you know, needless to say, we trained a lot. And a lot of these guys, we, I mean, they walked around with the pants tucked into the white uh, socks with the Chinese slippers. Everybody thought like they were like Bruce Lee and, uh, and we would just go. It was fun. Uh, back then, you know, we didn't get, you know, we didn't get harassed a lot. We would kick down doors. We'd make citizens arrest. We'd take the zip ties. We'd zip tie them up. We'd take their crack. We'd flush it down the toilet. We'd watch people cry. We'd watch people like have like fits. Uh, those were the days. Uh, <laughs> those are definitely the days. Uh, was that like the nineties, like the crack and lemon? Those like early nineties, early nineties. I, I would, I would say probably like 87, 88, uh, 89, um, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I sit here and I say, Jeff, like, I can't even believe I, I'm still sitting here <laughs> between riding my motorcycle and, and, and doing some of the things I've done. I, uh, <laughs> I'm still here, Jeff. That's crazy. You're closer to now than you are to the 80. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah. That was so long ago. And you, you really don't look that old. So that's, uh, thank you. What makes you, what made you like, it seems like such a crazy thing to do so late into your life. I know you're out there helping people, but man, like how, how do you balance all that? Like, I know uh, you lose yourself and in, in doing things like that. How do you like make time for your family and not lose yourself? Well, I mean, both of my kids are, are older now. Um, you know, both of my kids were, were big into the combative sports with me. Uh, you know, my son is still uh, probably one of my most senior uh, judges. Um, I mean, he's, I mean, he's done fights. He, I mean, he's, he's, he's judged some of the best uh, tie fights in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, he used to travel. He used to want, he was the one that used to take the trips into Buffalo with me and Elmira and one, a couple of times when we went up to Watertown. Oof. <laughs> I remember that story. Oh boy. Uh, and you know, and, and some of those shows, my son used to go with me. So, I mean, I spend a lot of time, but you know, my kids are older, you know, they're, they're living their lives. Um, you know, my wife is a typical Sicilian wife. She loves being, she loves being at home. She loves cooking. She loves caring for the family. And, 
Um, you know, and I, I try to balance it out carefully. Like, you know, if I'm going out on a Saturday patrol, I'll certainly do that, but I'll make sure I get back in enough time that I'm having, you know, dinner with the family and uh, maybe doing a movie night or something. And then of course, Sunday is, uh, you know, especially if it's football, unfortunately for us Jet fans, we're not like Buffalo fans. Buffalo fans usually go into the playoffs. We do not. Yes, we do not. Um, so you know, we'll have our wings and we'll sit and we'll watch games throughout the day, which is really fun. And even at some point in time, Jeff, I'm sure you saw my wife a few times. She would make trips with me, too. And yeah. And, and come out to some of the fight shows. So I've incorporated that a lot into uh, family time. Um, and those are some times that I just absolutely will not, uh, you know, I won't forget and I, I won't give up for anything. And um, my team at Gamma USA is my second family. Um, I'll go to battle with those guys any day out of the week. Um, I have some, uh, I honestly, I don't, I don't care. I, I, I'll just come out. I think I have some of the best officials on the East coast bar none. I agree with you too. Like, I'm so impressed by the guys that, that come to the K4 shows. Um, like, I, I wouldn't, like, blow smoke up your ass. Like, I, if I didn't think they were good, I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, you guys are whatever. But I, would, I wouldn't give them compliments, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you still come to the show that I call, so I wouldn't, like, throw them under the bus. But, man, like, JP, uh, they're just so good. They're, they see everything that's going on, man. And they're... And like the fights that get stopped, it's not the it's not the uh, uh, not your guys. It's, it's the the medical staff that comes in and stops the fights medically. So yeah, um, you know, that's I know you guys get a lot of shit for that, but that's not on you guys. You guys yeah, we, call that's them. that's something we yeah that's something that you know we we need to work on um, because I know the last fight show uh, one of the fights uh, didn't necessarily need to be stopped. You know, you have what's called a five minute uh, injury. Uh, and if that person can recover with, you know, and especially if it's a, you know, a, a you know, an, an, a non-intentional foul, um, they have five minutes to recover and you should give it. But uh, sometimes uh, certain uh, medical staff feel like they could come in and they could just make a decision. And sure enough, 90 seconds later, the person's standing up like, what the heck is going on? Like, why did they call the fight? Yeah. Uh, so, again, you know, a medical staff always uh, is the end all be all. So the second they the second they wave it off, somebody's like, oh, don't let them wave it off. I'm like, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> like, if they're waving it off, it's off. Uh but, you know, again, uh, one of the fights, uh, you know, last time around, I, I, I felt like uh, the person maybe didn't didn't want to fight. Um, and, you know, that that fight got called and rightfully so. Uh, but the other one, I felt like if they could have gotten that injury time out of five minutes, I think without a doubt in my mind, that person would have absolutely recovered and the fight would have continued. But doctor called the fight. One of the two that we talked about, I watched over and over and over again because uh, I was like, man, that didn't hit him in the groin. Um, so I watched it over and over again. And the, the shot where he went down didn't hit him in the groin. Earlier on, there was an exchange where it's hard to tell if it went in between his legs, like two knees before that. And uh, yeah. he might have got hit there. And uh, so I, I take back what I said about that one. The, the one that he went down on uh, was a clean knee. It, wasn't, it didn't hit him in the groin at all. But uh, I, I did watch. I watched it back, too. And uh, I was like, oh, man, of course it didn't hit him. Like, I knew it didn't hit him. And then, uh, like, because I, I, like, it's hard for me because I watch it on the monitor. I watch up, and the monitor's got a little delay. So yep. when I look down up, I'm behind a second. So uh, I, mi I miss stuff sometimes. But uh, when I went back and I rewatched the replay, he did get, it looked like he got struck when they uh, when they were, like, turning in the clinch. So, uh, yeah. And, and you know what? It's, uh, you know, when they're really close like that, um, you know, it, it, it's really hard, not unless the referee has an absolute clean shot and you will, especially somebody like JP, JP will step yeah. right in. He's like, no, 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 keep fighting. And they're like, what? Like what? Like keep fighting. And uh -huh. there was no, there was no groin shot there. Uh, you know, and again, that one was a, a really close one. Uh, but when the reaction of the fighter is as such, which you saw, yeah. it's like, you know, what do you do? It was close enough. And then the, the reaction was a reaction that uh, in my 13 years of regulation, I've never seen that that reaction. Yeah, I, uh, we talked about that quite a bit uh, when we talked. We, we actually been talking on the phone a lot more since uh, 
I called you and then you were so cool about it. So, uh, and then uh, you call me about the one stuff. <laughs> well, Keenan Hines just said JP always pushes the pace. Uh, yeah. You know, it's the thing is, especially when uh, when you're fighting uh, a Muay Thai or a K1 fight, um, you know, it, nobody wants to. And even if you watch some of the one championship Muay Thai fights, you'll always see Olivier or Justin or Ricky just consistently turn around and you'll see him even went to fight. And you're like, whoa, what was that about? It's because there's no action and you, you yeah. have to put action, especially a K1 fight. I mean, a K1 fight is is really maximum output. Mm -hmm. So you just sitting there and circling with somebody. MMA, I can understand, is a strategy behind all of that, the takedown and everything else. But Muay Thai and K1, fight. Yeah. So, the rounds are so short, too. It's only two minutes, you know, like yeah. three minutes for pros. Like even a three-minute round seems like so short when you fight MMA. Like, you know, like there's you only got like nine minutes sometimes or 15. You got to you gotta make a count. You, you got to give the judges something to score. Mm -hmm. And then I got to ask you about the other fight because, uh, man, um, it was after the bell is a, a illegal strike to the head. Um, I, I didn't even catch it at first. I thought it was a legal strike to the groin at first because I, I went from monitor to the top and then back down to the monitor. And I just saw the strike kind of start to land on the monitor. Um, but you said that it was in action, and so it didn't really matter that it was a legal strike. Can you uh, break that one down for me a little bit? So what winds up happening there is, is there's the terminology intent, okay? Uh, intent is a very black and white word. Uh, and the second you question somebody's intent, you question somebody's character. So you have to really have a very careful balance when doing that. Um, so uh, when in a strike is in motion and the bell rings, now this person, the first shot hit him in the midsection and it got him good. And they were going down and the other one was already in motion and the bell rang as it was already in motion. It was an unintentional foul. And because it was an unintentional foul, uh, the only way that I can disqualify that fighter is if I said this person intentionally tried to hurt this person. I would never want to judge one's character, especially that that's me playing God or the jury and the executioner. And I certainly do not want to do that unless it is blatant in my face. That person definitely intended to hit, a, hit this person with an illegal strike. So uh, if you watch that over and over again, uh, you will see that the, the strike did land uh, shortly after the bell, very, very shortly after the bell. Uh, and there was no intent for that person to, you know, to, to put harm or, or, or strike them illegally uh, in any way, shape or form. So if I would have disqualified that person for, you know, an illegal strike foul um, at that point, I, I, you know, I'm putting somebody's character into question and I, and, you know, at that point, the best thing to do is it, it was unintentional. I asked the referee, do you feel it was intentional? He said, absolutely not. And I said, then by all means, I said, we have, we have to call it a no contest due to an accidental foul. And that's the right that's the right call to make. Yeah, both the guys wanted to run it back when I talked to them in the cage. So hopefully we get to see that one again. too. That started out really good, man. Like, yeah, it was uh, fast and furious for the two minutes and however many seconds it went before the oh, three full minutes, right? Yeah. No. It was K one, but it was a it was a championship fight. So was it two or three? I don't remember. Is it? Why it was a championship fight? So it's five two minute rounds. Yes, yeah, so those five twos. Okay. Why? Uh, can you ever make it three in the amateurs, or does it always have to be two? Uh no. In the, in the yeah, in the amateurs, it's always two. Uh, the athletic commission won't allow three minutes. Yeah. So uh, MMA, yes, three three minute rounds. Yeah. Uh, you can't have five three minute rounds. They're like, what about a title fight? Like, no. That's thanks too. Like it's so short for guys that are like close to pro, like that's such a short amount of time. Like three, three, three seems like a lot, but it's really not when you're, uh, you know, pretty high level. I've actually been hearing a lot of complaints on the uh, larger scales, like your UFCs, your PFLs, and uh, Bellators, because a lot of their fights are now like three round fights. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's they've scaled down to five round fights so much. 
uh, that it's actually a bonus when you get them on, on a fight card. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, listen, I'll, I'll do a warriors cup or like a K series this week. And, um, there are seven title fights. There are seven, five round fights. <laughs> Rock and, night. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a long night, but you know what, when the fights are good, um, you know, it, 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 it's a long night. And that, here's now another thing that I'll say that I love about my Gamma USA officials. These guys know what they're doing. They're on their game. They facilitate things and they flow very, very nicely. Uh, you as a commentator, I'm sure can appreciate the flow of a fight. And you know, the second somebody gets out of the cage, you probably know within the next three minutes, the next fight is being announced into the cage. That actually makes our job very easy too, because we don't have to fill time. So it's like it's very good. I worked at a lot of shows, and uh, you guys really run them out pretty quick. Uh, I'm gonna say this because it's a great runner, though. Uh, you know what? <laughs> here's the, here's here's the one thing I'm gonna say that you know maybe m many people don't know. Uh, Jeff has a, a son. His name is Forrest, uh, and one of the most detailed runners. I have ever seen. He like lays it out to a T. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to come from there. You're going to follow me to here. Once we get here, you're going to go this. And I'm, I, I'm listening to all of this. And this was the first time he was actually a runner. Yeah. I had to go up to you and I had to tell you, I said, your, your, your son is like lights out. And yeah. uh, I told Keith, I said, Hey, is there any change you can get Forrest to run again? And he was like, I can ask. And when he was there, I was like, yes. Yeah. Great. Be a great show too. Yeah. I used to do a podcast. We're going to try and get him back on. Uh, we used to do a father son podcast once a week too. It was really, really fun when he was like really young. Um, he makes me look so dumb. He's so smart. I appreciate him a lot. Uh, it's, it's great to hear good things. Well, I had to make sure that I got him a shout out here too. So uh, I do appreciate you guys uh, getting it running fast too. And it works so good. We got such good, um, uh j2 we got like we just go and then we're already going into the fights and he's announcing them and it's so quick it runs really really smooth even though yeah. i talk a lot in the cage but it, that, that the only thing that does is it it uh it, it prolongs a little bit but you know what it also adds to it i mean uh jeff yeah. i mean you've you've built yourself a, a personality especially in the upstate region uh, everybody knows caveman. Uh, everybody adores you. Uh, you're a great guy. Uh, so a lot of people, a lot of people want to hear, uh, you know, what you have to say. And it, it gives a fighter a little bit of a platform at the end to enjoy their victory. Uh, sometimes when you have 16, 17, 18 fights, you're like, Jeff, cut it down to a minute. Let's go. Uh, because when it's like three, four minutes, guess what? If you're doing three, four minutes, 16 fights or well, guess what you just added another whole hour to the show <laughs> yeah yeah that's true a lot of these guys man like so I'm, i always think about the fighters and like the the two things are trying to give them i try and give them a platform to talk before they fight and then an opportunity to talk on a mic in front of their friends and family you know like they put um, a lot of like, there's a blood sweat and tears that go into all this yeah and, and sometimes it. we might never win again like sometimes this, this it might be the only one you get especially some of those guys like i try and get in there for like some of the guys I know are not too good and they win. I, I like, even though like sometimes the fight's not even really that great, but like they're, they're never going to get another opportunity probably to uh, talk in front of the crowd. And like, I want them to, to get that moment. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've all fought before. Uh, we know what it's like. And uh, especially when you can collect that victory, uh, savor the moment. I, I, I totally get it. And I, I applaud what, what you guys do. I think it's fantastic. And again, I, I don't just say, you know, Keith at K4 and I, it's the whole team. It's the commentary. It's the, the guys that run the, uh, you know, the video. And then, uh, you know, now he's hired Justin Manning on to be the yeah. full-time announcer there. And, uh, you know, I work with Justin Manning all the time. What a, a, great. a professional, such a professional. I, I love him. I love his family. He's a great family person. Uh, so when Keith was saying, like, I, I just I need a more permanent guy, I said, look, I said, if you can get Justin Manning lives in, in the Upper East Side of New York. I said, if you can get him from Manhattan to Buffalo, I said, there's no two ways in my mind. No questions asked. You guys will get along like two peas in a pod. And sure enough, the two of them hit it off. And um, 
you know, I, I think that uh, he's a very polished individual, and I think that uh, K4 Fighting is uh, lucky to have him, and he is lucky to work with K4 Fighting, which I think is awesome. He had the crowd going so good before the fights. He got him ramped up. He brings his own little mic cover, too. I think that's so cool. Like, he's, he covers all the little details. He's a, he's a very excellent guy. And just like you guys, you cover all the details, too. And, okay. uh, man, January 27th, we'll be seeing you up here in Buffalo. Are you are you doing a double night, double header again? Are you working on Friday? And coming no, no, no. Thank God, no. <laughs> and Keith told me, he was like, this one is a, this one is a big card. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're excited for that. Uh, you know, I, I'm up in Barry, Vermont on Saturday. Uh, and in, in January, February, uh, actually December, January and February, I get deathly frightened uh, <laughs> going up to Buffalo or Vermont because you never know when a foot of snow is just going to be dumped. Yep, you never know. And uh, we had that, that problem last time, we, uh, a couple shows ago. It snowed real bad for the weigh-ins and like people missed the weigh-ins. It was... Yeah, it was bad. I uh, I finally told uh, both uh, Keith and uh, and Rex. I said, "Yeah, we, we we're gonna have to rent a Ram fifteen hundred to get the crew in because we we can't get stuck." And you know, there uh, one nice thing is like people like Keith and and Rex that do shows far away. Um, you know, they'll even put fighters up uh, the night of weigh-ins before yeah. the night before weigh-ins to make sure that they're there, they're ready for weigh-ins and everything else. Uh, and what do you do if the sanctioning body is not there to conduct the weigh-ins? So if there's a uh, like a snow event or something and you can't make the weigh-ins, do you just do the weigh-ins the next day? Like, How does that work? Well, the one nice thing is I ran a, a course uh, up there in Buffalo uh, with Tyler and Janie and Dominic and, uh, and, and a few other individuals uh, up there uh, and showed them how to inspect, uh, how to... Uh, how to conduct the weigh-ins. And uh, a matter of fact, the very last weigh-in, uh, Tyler and Janie conducted those weigh-ins, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, they did a great job. Uh, you know, they've actually watched me, Tyler's watched me do weigh-ins prior. So uh, they're very familiar with that. So uh, we have our so sort of own little built-in team up there in Buffalo now that uh, if something like that does happen, uh, you know, Tyler, Janie, or, or even Dominic are equipped to be able to conduct those weigh-ins. And awesome. uh, even if I can't make it, uh, it's the love. You yeah. could always, you could always uh, you know, FaceTime somebody and, and go from there. Perfect. All right, man. Uh, I think that's all I got for you. You got anything else you want to uh, drop while I got you here? Uh, you know what? Uh, just for me, I'm excited for, uh, for January. January, uh, you know, this Friday we have the K series in uh, New York City at Melrose Ballroom, which is uh, probably one of the more premier K one, uh, you know, fight shows in uh, at least on the East Coast. Um, and then uh, I'm up in Barry, Vermont. We have uh, a nice pro fight, Keegan Hornstra versus uh, John Pina from New York City. Little small glove Muay Thai, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then January 27th, always excited to go on up to Buffalo and uh, really uh, see Keith and his family, which I almost consider like second family now. Um, that's really exciting. And then February 9th, Warriors Cup. You know, I just, again, I'm, I'm completely blessed to work with all of the uh, promotions that I do work with. Uh, people, again, always ask me like, hey, do you solicit? I, I don't solicit anybody. And uh, the ones that I work with, again, I, I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and I'll always want to give a shout out because uh, there are some people that, that will throw accolades, accolades my way all the time. And uh, I'll say it till the end of time. I am absolutely nothing. I am nothing without my team. I'm nothing without the leadership of uh, Diana Thomas and Justin Brown. I'm nothing without my referees like... Justin, you know, Justin Brown, John Paul Zaniga, Chris Romulo, um, you know, uh, Marcel Varela, uh, and, and a whole host of others, Zach Borner, uh, Brandon Medina, of course, um, you know, and all of my judges that work, you know, Jonelli Rodriguez and Carl Medina. I, I could just go on and on and on with all the people. My son, Lorenzo Kilkenny, uh, they just work so tirelessly to 
give the fighters what they deserve. And uh, I am absolutely nothing without them. They make me look fantastic. That's what we're trying to do here on K-Man's Corner. We're trying to give the fighters what they deserve too. And uh, that's what we try and do. Like, so any sponsorship that you guys hook us up with, we're trying to uh, give it back to the fighters. So with that being said, thank you, JCR Transport. Uh, thank you, K4. We appreciate you guys. January 27th is going to be the K4 card. It's at Buffalo Riverworks. Tickets are on sale now. You can click online and make sure you buy them. If you put the fighter's name in, they get credit for the tickets. So uh, if you're a fan of the fighter, make sure that you put their last name in, K4 in their last name, and they'll get credit for the ticket sales. Um, if you're just a fan of the show, like go check out the show. Uh, if you're not a fan of the show, I, I would highly recommend going to check out K4. I see people all the time. They're like, hey, you're the K4 guy. I uh, I don't even really like fighting, but I know who you are, you know, and they're going to go to the next show. So make sure you guys check out the show. It's a really fun time. Um, we'll be there January 27th. Me and uh, Ray will be there. Uh, Benfield will probably be there if he can get his way in there. And uh, Tom Kilkenny will definitely be there overseeing everything. And uh, that's all I got. And I got one more thing for everybody. 9 p.m. tonight, I should be having Pat Mix on. Maybe a few minutes late because he's getting done training. But should have Patchy Mix on tonight, too. Hey, listen, it's a world champion right there. Rock and roll, baby. That's it. That's it. All right. With that, we're out of here, guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me.